You ready to come up with a personalized plan for your peace? A lot of peas coming your way today. Hey, this is a message that is um, deeply personal for me. We got to stop playing that game or else it'll just get bad. That was a deeply personal message for me because doing this, speaking in front of hundreds of people, isn't something that comes naturally to me. I am an introvert who loves to write in coffee shops. Like that's my happy place. And then every once in a while, it's like, okay, and then stand up on stage and talk to hundreds of people. And I'm like, wait, what was that, what was that second part, right? Like, I remember in high school, public speaking was my least favorite class all through school. I, there was a, a day where my subject was, I have to give a speech on how to make a peanut butter sandwich. And I ate a peanut butter sandwich every day of my life up until this point. And I still couldn't sleep the night before for like a three-minute presentation on how to make a peanut butter sandwich, right? Nervous the entire time. And so I fell in love with the spiritual formation side of pastoring long before the public speaking side of it. And then when I started to realize that the public speaking part was going to come with it, I was like, God, you, you got the wrong guy, you know? Like, I'm good. But over and over and over again, it was like God was encouraging me, no, I'm going to go with you. And I'm actually going to be the one who helps you through this. So you got this. And so I said, okay, but if we're going to do this, I'm going to need a plan for peace. Because I don't want to be anxious all my life, right? Like before every sermon or whatever. I need a plan for my peace. And so over the last 10 years, I've built out my plan. And today, I'm going to share it with you. This is my plan for peace. What do you guys think? It's pretty good, right? I think it's pretty good. Still working on it. I I think it's good. So I'm just going to share my plan with you guys, not because I'm saying you need to do exactly what I do. But, but uh, by all means, steal everything, use it. But also in the hopes that if I share what I do, maybe it'll spark something for you as you walk out of here with your own personalized plan for peace. So I got this from the book of Joshua, but some of you are looking at me like, bro, I don't, who's Joshua? I don't even know who you're talking about. So let's back up for a second. First five books of your Bible are super important. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They all, they set the stage for the rest of the story. And those first five books tell the story of God creating all of this, and then human beings rebelling, and everything spiraling out of control, and humans ending up in slavery in Egypt. And then if you know the story, God raises up this guy named Moses and through a lot of amazing miracles, including parting a Red Sea, takes his people out of slavery towards freedom and the promised land. The problem is it takes them 40 years to get to the promised land. And after 40 years of wandering, they are right up against the land. They can see it. It's right on the other side of this river called the Jordan River. They're going, that's the promised land. We just got to get there. And then Moses dies. That's how the first five books of your Bible end. Kind of anticlimactic. Sorry for the spoiler alert. But book six in your Bible is called Joshua because Joshua was Moses' disciple, the guy that he was raising up. So the book of Joshua starts with Moses passing away and God going, all right, Joshua, you're up. You're starting to see why Joshua probably needed a plan for peace, like needed to be reminded over and over and over again, Joshua, be strong, be courageous. You've got this. If you read through the first few chapters like we're going to do, you're gonna start to realize God was going, hey, I'm going with you the entire time. Here are some very practical ways that you can have peace 
even in the midst of battle. So let's pick up the story there, Joshua 3 and verse 1. It says this, early that morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from, turns out that word is pronounced shatim, and I've been saying it wrong this entire time. I don't know. (laughs) Nice try, God. (laughs) And went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. By the way, when you're walking into a new season of life, the best thing to do is to let God lead and you just follow. It says, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And then verse five says this, Joshua told the people, consecrate. If you write in your Bibles, underline that word, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate means to set apart for a divine purpose, to get ready. And so our first step, my first step and my plan for peace is every day I get ready. This is a spiritual principle all throughout the Bible. Men and women who do amazing things for the kingdom of God also realize that there is a spiritual battle that they are stepping into. So they don't just walk into it without preparation. They get ready for it. That's why Jesus used to wake up super early and go to a place where nobody else was to take time to pray. That's why Paul writes, as he writes about in Ephesians 6, would put on the armor of God, spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the sandals of peace as he got ready to move forward. Why? Because when it comes to walking in peace, preparation is key. Like think about if an athlete just showed up to the arena like two minutes before the game started. You know? Like, no, of course, an athlete's gonna show up early and get ready and get dressed and warm up and go through their routine. Why? Because preparation is key. Or like if you have a big job interview that you really want to go well, imagine just showing up and being like, hey, so what's this company all about? You know, like you would never do that. You, you, you do your research and you, and you remember names and you ask questions. Why? Because preparation is key. Or like if you have a date, and you want the date to go well, a little preparation goes a long way, right? Plan it out, make a reservation, take a shower, comb your hair, clean your car, right? Like you don't just show up, preparation is key. It's like you remember prom, like how much preparation would go into to getting ready for prom. We were talking to our staff on Tuesday, we were having lunch and we were telling prom stories and uh, Andrew, told us one of the funnier stories I've, I've heard all week. Andrew is our production guy, makes all this place just look amazing. He's incredible at what you do. Most people spend the day getting ready for prom and then go to prom. Andrew spent the day skiing without sunscreen and giant ski goggles. Now, when you have the complexion of Andrew and you don't wear sunscreen, but you do wear giant ski goggles, you end up showing up to prom looking like this. (laughs) 
Oh, I love that picture so much. Why do I show you that picture? Well, I think a lot of us struggle to fight back against anxiety because we show up to the battle the same way that Andrew showed up to prom. No preparation. We got to get ready, right? We got to take time to get ready. So this is how I do this. This is my chair from my backyard. I sit in this chair every morning, except when it's really cold out, then I have a substitute chair in my room, but this is my preferred chair. And I go here in the morning to get ready to, I, I say it this way, to pre-decide that I'm going to be an agent of peace, right? Because I know things are coming my way. I know trials are coming my way, so I'm going to go here first and pre-decide on peace. So I read my Bible, whatever reading plan I'm currently in. It's the Bible in a year right now, but it's different all the time. I take some time to pray, and then I take some time to breathe, and you're going, well, yeah, we didn't think you were holding your breath the entire time. No, like on purpose, I take some time and I breathe. Because here's the thing, you will take 22,000 breaths today. And according to Isaiah 42, 5, every single one of those breaths is a gift from God. Which means you have 22,000 opportunities to reconnect with your creator. And so I take whatever verse I'm currently meditating on, like this week it's been Joshua 1.9, if we want to put that back up. I read it through a couple of times, and then I come up with two phrases, an inhale and an exhale. The inhale is always God's promise to me, and then the exhale is always how I'm going to live in light of that promise. So with Joshua 1.9, what I've been saying is, God, you are with me, Inhale so I won't be afraid, exhale. And then I just repeat that over and over and over again. You guys wanna try it? Oh, we're getting practical in church today. In just a second, I'm gonna have you close your eyes and we'll, we'll inhale for four seconds. And as you inhale, just quietly to yourself, God, you are with me. Closer than the very oxygen that you're breathing. And then as you exhale, so I won't be afraid. We'll do it four times. Sound good? All right, close your eyes. Big inhale in. God, you are with me. And exhale, so I won't be afraid. Inhale, God, you are with me. Exhale, so I won't be afraid. Inhale, God, you are with me. Exhale, I won't be afraid. One more time. God, you are with me. And exhale, so I won't be afraid. You feel that? The peace? Because here's the deal. Your, your mind is busy having 40,000 thoughts every single day, most of which are negative. Meanwhile, just beneath the surface of all of those thoughts, the Spirit of God is constantly ready to meet with your soul and remind you, hey, I'm going with you, which means you don't have to be afraid. So this is how I do it. Breathe. And then, you know, the great thing about that is, is I, I breathe in the morning and then it, I 
keep breathing throughout the day. And so I'm reminded all the time, like right before I got up on stage, I was right over there and I took another deep breath. E was praying for me. I take a deep breath. God, you are with me. So I don't have to be afraid. And then I come up here and I do what I do. Try it this week. See what happens. Also, just really practical on the side, I go to my chair before I go to my phone every day. It's a rule of life that, that I've kept for, for years. Because here's the deal. I, before I hear what the world has to say, I want to hear what God has to say. Before I hear other people's opinions about me, I want to hear about God's truth about me. Right? Go to your chair before you go to your phone. We got to get ready and we got to pre-decide on the peace that we want to walk in. That's number one. Number two is this. Get grateful. This is my journal. I carry this around with me just about everywhere I go for two reasons. The first is because I have a terrible memory and my ideas that I have just float away out of nowhere, so I have to write them down. Number two, I carry this around because I like to write down the things that I'm grateful for. So I've got five minutes before a meeting. I could scroll through my phone all day or, or for those five minutes or I could stop and make a list of three things that I'm grateful for. God, I'm so grateful for the sermon that I get to preach today. God, I'm so thankful for everybody that showed up to church today. God, I'm so grateful for my friends that I get to walk through this life with. I'm telling you, gratitude is an absolute weapon we can use to fight back against anxiety. I learned this from the Israelites. Remember how I said they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? Well, that journey to the promised land should have taken 11 days. So how does an 11-day trip turn into a 40-year journey? I think there are a lot of answers to that question, but here's one. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they always talked about once we get to the promised land, that's going to be the land flowing with milk and honey. That was the line, milk and honey. But when they were in the wilderness, all they had was manna which is just bread. So they get to the end of a long day of wandering, which I just picture them walking in a circle like that. And then they sit down for dinner and they're like, manna again? I can't wait for the milk and honey. And I think one of the things that God was teaching them was how to stop grumbling about the things that they don't have and start being grateful for the things that they do. Because I think God understood that if they can't learn to be grateful for the manna, they're not going to be grateful for the milk and honey. Because once you get that, then you're just going to want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Now, some of you are like, well, what does that have to do with anxiety? And I would say that has just about everything to do with anxiety. Like if, if we all took the time to write out all of the things that make us anxious throughout the day, and then we just made like a master list and put it up on the screen. You guys down? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so Ethan's going to pass a, no, no, no. Um, I think there would be one common pattern that we would see all over the place. And I would say it would be this. I'm anxious because I feel like I'm falling behind. Like, my friends are starting to make that much money. I'm only making this much money. I feel like I'm falling behind. That person is buying their first home. I'm still struggling to pay rent. I feel like I'm falling behind. All my friends are getting married. I haven't been on a date in like three years. I feel like I'm falling behind. 
or all my friends are starting to have their first kids and all my relationships keep ending the same way. I feel like I'm falling behind. I wanna have this influence and this impact, but look how many followers they have over there and I only have this many followers. I feel like I'm falling behind. Their kid already knows how to walk. Mine can barely crawl. I feel like we're falling behind. Wait, that kid knows how to read? My kid won't sit still for five seconds. I feel like we're falling behind. They got into that college. We're not gonna be able to afford to send our kids there. I feel like we're falling behind. Wait, they already retired? We're gonna have to work for the next seven years. I feel like we're falling behind. Can anybody relate with any of that, right? I feel like a part of the fallen human condition is that we all feel like we're in this giant competition <laughs> that isn't actually there. Like, I feel like when we get to heaven, a lot of amazing things are going to happen, but I feel like one just really practical thing is we're gonna be looking at each other like, why were we competing the entire time? Like, why did we think there was this race that we had to, to, to win? And God the Father's gonna be like, yeah, no, I told you, I am always with you, and everything that I have is yours. You were fine the entire time, and we're gonna laugh about it and then probably wonder why we wasted so much energy being anxious about a competition that wasn't even happening. Okay, gratitude is the way to tap into that mindset on this side of eternity. Gratitude is the way to stop grumbling about the things that we don't have, but they have over there, and now I feel like I'm falling behind. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna start being grateful for what I do have. Because watch this, gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. If you can learn how to just start being grateful for the exact season that you're in, you'll find yourself going, okay, my kid can't walk yet, and there's can, but guess what? My kid can't get away from me as fast, and so I don't have to... You know what I mean? <laughs> They're able to buy their first home. I still have to rent, but guess what? If something breaks, I just call my landlord. You know, <laughs> this is great. This is great. It's awesome. Gratitude takes what you have and it makes it enough. And I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, when I start feeling anxious, it's because I'm, I'm entering back into that competition that's just an illusion, right? It's because I'm grumbling for the things that I don't have instead of being grateful for what I do. So when I stop and I just write down three things, try that this week, a couple of times throughout your day, just write down three things that you're grateful for and just watch what happens. Get ready, get grateful. But let's be real, you guys are all like, hey, but what's the wagon all about, you know? <laughs> okay, <laughs> get ready, get grateful, don't forget. Number three, don't forget. Let's go back to our story. Joshua leads the Israelites forward. God parts the Jordan River miraculously. They walk through on dry ground, which by the way is a callback to 40 years earlier when God parts the Red Sea because what God's saying is, hey, this might be a new time and a new town, but I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and so I'm still walking with you, so don't, don't forget what I did back then because I'm going to do it again, right? They walk through on dry ground, and then it gets even better than that. Let's pick up the story in Joshua 4 and verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, 
Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. I, I love this. Like, as soon as they get through the Jordan River, you'd think what, they're, what they would be thinking is, here comes the milk and honey, you know? Like, it's time, let's go forward. And God says, pause. Before you go forward, I want you to go back. Go back to the middle of the Jordan and pick up 12 stones from right when the, where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Now, they gotta be thinking, why are we doing this? Well, God tells us in verse six, says this. In the future, when your children ask you, hey, what's the deal with all these stones? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. See, here's the deal. Joshua made it to the promised land, but he still had 31 battles ahead of him. He still had, had lots of, of giants still left to conquer. And so God understood that the best way to get ready for the battles that are before you is to remember what God's already done behind you. So he says, I want you to go get a memorial for yourself that will remind you of my faithfulness because I'm coming with you. And so in 2019, when we planted our church here in Austin, we, uh, we got turned down by 90 different places. We, uh, we asked 90 different venues if we could use their space, and they all said no. And we're pretty used to rejection, so it wasn't a huge deal, but... Eventually, this place called Gather, which is about a mile up the road, said yes to us. Problem is, Gather was a shared workspace, not a church, okay? So that means that every Sunday morning... We only had it on Sundays. Every Sunday morning at 5.30, we showed up. We were tired, right? Like trying to internalize a message and answering lots of questions. And we had to just move a lot of just incredibly heavy furniture to like every spot that we could to make room for church to happen in this place. And the last piece of furniture that we always had to move was this wagon. This wagon is so heavy. By the way, shout out to Sam, who in this whole season, like made this entire thing happen over and over and over again. We could never find a good place for this wagon. And so E and I at like six in the morning, we'd be trying to like parallel park it between like a wall and another chair and putting holes in the wall. And that did happen. And every once in a while, I would find myself looking around going, God, God can't build a church in this place. You know, this isn't a church. It's a shared workspace. What are we doing? And I would sit on this wagon and I would, I would just try to catch my breath and think like, I don't know, maybe we heard God wrong. And one day in particular, a Sunday in May of 2019, I was preaching and my anxiety attacked pretty hard. I don't know how it goes for you. For me, I, uh, my chest gets really tight and I stop being able to breathe deeply. And my mind's already, I already have so many thoughts going through my mind. When anxiety attacks, it feels like all those thoughts like team up together and then fall down the stairs. 
You know, it's just like a, a big mess of thoughts. And so I can't put a thought together and then everything starts to feel too overwhelming to me. And I'm sitting there and then all of a sudden people start showing up to church to hear my message. And I'm like, I, I shouldn't be the one up there. I, I don't have anything good to say. This message is terrible and I'm not good at this. And right, like, you know how this spiral goes. And so I go and I find Doug and he knows exactly what's going on. He looks at me and he says, get upstairs. You've got a plan for these moments. You've got a plan for peace. Now go enact your plan. And this space, there was like no privacy anywhere. You had to like work really hard to like climb behind like a cubicle and find a place where nobody else was. And so I find a space upstairs and I start trying to breathe. Breathe in, breathe out, shallow breaths. Meanwhile, I can hear people walking in the hallway going, hey, have you guys seen Ryan? Where's Ryan? And I know it's the pro presenter guys going, Ryan didn't give me the slides that, that I need. And so now my mind's going, gosh, I can't even do that. Like, what am I doing with my life, you know? We've got a master's in theology. I'm not gonna be hired anywhere else. You know, like I'm, this, is, this is bad news. If I can't do this, I can't do anything. <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. I'm going with you. You don't have to be afraid. I'm going with you. You don't have to be afraid. I'm going with you. You don't have to be afraid. And the, the best way I can think to put words to what happened next is it feels like God just came down right beside me and said, hey, bud, you're doing a really good job trying to build this church. And I love that you're just taking steps of faith and trusting that I'm coming with you and guess what I am? You think I need a special building to build a church? I don't. It's never been about the space anyways. It's been about my spirit. My spirit's here with you. I love you regardless. So how about this? Could you just go downstairs and brag about how good I am and how loving of a father I am? Could you just point people to Jesus and preach the gospel? And I'm sitting there in this room going, yeah, I think I can do that. It's like my feet found their, their footing again, you know? My lungs found their breath again. And I walk down and I walk up on stage and I just brag about how amazing God is. And then week after week and month after month, God just keeps doing all these amazing things and setting all these people free. And we're like, how are you doing this in the shared workspace, right? Like, what's the deal? And God just keeps reminding us, hey, it was never about the space. It was about the spirit. I'm going with you. You don't have to be afraid. So when this space became available, we were talking to that venue and on the phone, Ethan was talking to him because we didn't want to leave him hanging and they're going back and forth negotiating a, a, a deal for how we could do this in a way that was best for all of us and they come to E with, with an idea, with a deal and, and E goes, all right, deal, but we're taking the wagon with us. And they're like, you're taking the wagon? Like, yeah, we want the wagon. They're like, okay, bring it with you because we knew we had a lot of battles still left to fight. And the best way to get ready for the battles ahead of us are to look back and remember what God's already brought us through. 
And so we put this wagon right behind those walls. There's a room for all of our volunteers and we leave it right there because it stays there and it serves as a reminder that God was faithful back then, which means he's going to be faithful as we move forward. If you want to walk in peace, you gotta find ways to remind yourself what God has already brought you through. I wonder if there's somebody in this room stepping into a brand new season of their life, maybe a new ministry, a new relationship, a new job, and you're feeling anxious right now about it. I wonder if what God's saying to you right now is, hey, I was faithful back then, I'm going to do it again. The best way to get ready for the battles that you have still to fight are to remember the battles I've already won in your past. Should you guys stand up to your feet with me? This is my plan for peace. Again, not because this is what you have to do, but I'm hoping that all of this sparks something for you. I want you to think about in the next few minutes, what's your plan for peace? How can you get ready every morning? How can you get grateful every day? And how can you remember what God's already brought you through every evening? You do that, I'm telling you. This is all I can say. This morning I woke up, read through the story of Joshua again, did some breath prayer, wrote down a few things I was grateful for, came here and took a look at that wagon again and said, thank you God for the battles that you've already won. And then I just came out here and got up on stage and preached. And here's the thing. This isn't hard for me anymore. It's not at all. Not because preaching comes naturally to me, but because it comes supernaturally to me. Because over the last 10 years, the spirit has been at work in my life going, hey, this was never about you to begin with. This is me going with you. And so we're not a church that that preaches you just pray once and then your anxiety will go uh, away. I think God loves us more than that and goes, hey, I wanna be the loving father that builds a relationship with you along the way. And so what I wanna say today is if you put together a plan for your peace and then you just start taking steps every day, one step after the other, fixing your eyes on the creator, Suddenly 10 years will go by and you'll look back and you'll be like, that used to be really hard for me to do. This isn't hard for me at all anymore. You know, like, I don't even know what happened. It just, it just happened. That's what happens. The spirit of God gets a hold of your life because as important as it is to have a plan for peace, really the plan for peace is a creative way to get us all to think about the prince of peace. It's not a bunch of principles, practices. Those things are important. Ultimately, peace is a person and his name is Jesus. He loves you. Went to the cross to pay the price for your sins so that you could live forever. So just for the next few minutes, we're gonna get our eyes off of our situation and up to heaven. We're gonna remember who Jesus is. We're gonna remember the fact that even though sometimes when anxiety attacks, it feels like we're surrounded, but the truth is we're actually surrounded by God's love. He's closer than the very oxygen you are breathing. And so don't forget get grateful, get ready. Father, we love you. We thank you that you don't leave us hanging, but you give us a plan for our peace. And we thank you ultimately that that plan for peace is your son, Jesus. So we fix our eyes on who you are and who you say we are today. 
as we worship together, would you teach us? Lord, we pray for peace on this earth. My goodness, Lord, we pray for peace on this earth. We also pray that that peace would start in our own hearts, that we would carry that peace out with us to a world that desperately needs it as we worship you today in Jesus' name.